Welcome to Roundhill Radio, the podcast from Roundhill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Welcome to Roundhill Radio. I'm Leslie. And I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Leslie. Always uh, fun to be on. Appreciate it. So tomorrow is Earth Day. Um, and we've had a couple podcasts sort of touching on Earth Day over the years. And this one, we're being really intentional about talking about it. And one thing I've picked up is that Earth Day as a celebratory set aside holiday is actually fairly new, isn't it? So, Dan, will you hit us with some facts? Hit you with some facts, some some knowledge. Yeah. yeah so Earth Day uh, began in 1970. So it is relatively new and it's been celebrated for the first couple of decades just here in the U.S. And then eventually it, it grew to be this global celebration. So it started in 1970, but there was a little bit of context and, and backdrop, which I find fascinating. So in 1962, I think it was, there, an author named Rachel Carlson wrote a New York Times bestseller called Silent Spring. So this is in the 60s, and this was during a time of protests and student movements and marches. So this, this book, Silent Spring, uh, sold something half a million copies in 24 different countries. And what it did was it, it raised public awareness and concern for all living organisms, um, concern for the environment, and, and especially it linked um, pollution and public health. And people maybe had been thinking about this, but it really showed the, the linkage and the data linking those two things. So there was kind of in the 60s, this, this sort of outcry as this more information is getting out there. And then 1969, and this is where the story really gets interesting. One person, a junior senator from Wisconsin, Senator Gaylord Nelson, was very concerned about the environment. And so... Around the same year, he witnessed, um, I don't remember this, but history remembers this, um, the huge oil spill in California. So he sees this huge oil spill. He has this context of this book in, in kind of the background and is watching all of these, these uh, student anti-war protests all around the country. And he has this idea of, can I harness the energy of these movements, the energy of and the spirit of these student uh, protests, these anti-war protests, but to emerge like a, a higher level of public consciousness about air and water pollution. So he announced, this, this one senator, the idea for, uh, they called them teach-ins, a teach-in in campuses all across the country. Now, he's a Democrat. He was able to persuade a Republican congressman to co-chair this like one day event. And then they recruited a young activist, um, Dennis, Dennis Hayes, a young activist to organize around the country uh, campus teachings. So they chose April 22nd. Uh, people wonder, like, why April 22nd? Simply because it, it fell between spring break and final exams for colleges. So they want to maximize the greatest level of, of student participation. So that's why they chose April 22nd. Yeah. So that was the first one, April 22nd, 1970. And it was small grassroots kind of idea for a one day teaching event. And, you know, during that day, 
they mobilized you know thousands of people across America to be to kind of go to the streets, go to their parks, to to clean up, uh, to to teach in the classrooms, and that started the very first Earth Day. So over time, the staff grew, the movement grew, the effort certainly grew, you know, very wide, and eventually it you know became a, a global movement. But it began that very first time, and one senator had took his faith and his beliefs and and led them to, to action. And people heard that rally cry and, and uh, thousands of people, you know, got involved. And, and I think um, that was that first year or maybe the, the year after, shortly after they changed the name to actually Earth Day because it wasn't even called that the very first time. And once it changed the name to Earth Day, it, it got more national kind of media attention. And then maybe that next year, I, I'm kind of fuzzy on these facts, but uh, 20 million Americans participated. And at the time, it represented 10% of, of the total population of the United States. Um, and it might have been even that first year, if not the first year, then the second year. And that was a good percentage of, of people that really wanted to, to do something about it and to raise public awareness and in their own way to start a movement to help save our planet. So there you go. There's just a little background, a little history for you. I love that. Thank you for that. And I think, I mean, there's so much in there. You know, I think about that single senator who, you know, is that the, the Larry Rasmussen quote of, you know, how do you approach this big problem as one person? And his answer was, stop being one person. You know, that this this politician reached across the aisle, found a like minded individual and they launched something together and found other people who wanted to to do that it also really makes me think about the fact that over the years over those gosh 50 years i still do you still do the math where 1970 feels like 30 years ago is yes. that just me doing bad 2000 math <laughs> Yeah, and I was born 1980, so I do that math. And I think, wait a second, right. <laughs> and I start to realize, oh wait, I am this old. <laughs> I know. It seems like 20 years ago, something like that. I I agree with you. Yes, <laughs> having also been born in the 80s, I agree with you. Um, but that the that there's actually so much that's been done to help our planet. You know, I always I think I think I get cynical, and I think I get like you know that we as humans are so bad for our planet and that things are just continually getting worse and worse and worse. But, you know, I think about back to that famous picture of New York City with the smog, right? Mm -hmm. Or thinking back to very timely 1969, where in Ohio, the Cuyahoga River mm. caught on fire right. because it was so polluted, um, which makes for great branding if you're a business in Cleveland, high burning river brass ensemble, how are you? But it's, you know, the, the fact that those things are no longer true to the same degree that the Cuyahoga River looks like a beautiful river again, and that New York City is not completely covered in a late layer of smog that you can't even see the tips of buildings, um, I think gives us a sense of empowerment that we can, if we group together, we can do beautiful things for our planet. Mm -hmm. um, I, I find a lot of encouragement in that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and to your point, I mean, it's, it's humans who have damaged or destroyed our planet 
and it's humans who can save our planet. And it, it's really up to us. We have a great responsibility. And so in the you know, 1970, you know, there were basically, it was a, at that point, at least in America, it was 150 years of industrial kind of pollution. And, you know, we want to see cities rise up and, and be more efficient in manufacturing, but that, that has a cost. So 150 years, you know, mounted up and, you know, people were seeing these stories, as you mentioned, you know, in the rivers and oil spills and polluting factories, raw sewage and toxic dumps and pesticides and freeways, right? Freeways are great, but then it's a loss of wilderness and loss of forests and it all has its consequences. And so, you know, finally one person, but they reached across political parties. And in fact, it was one of the most remarkable aspects of the whole first Earth Day was the bipartisan nature of it. And I think because there were shared values, when you can find values that are really important and people share those values, well, that can cross political uh, alliances and religious differences. And, and it really can and should cross all of those. And it did. It was, you know, so so unifying the value of protecting our planet and having a healthy uh, environment to pass on to the next generations to leave that legacy. So here's something really interesting too. Um, nine, you know, so again, picture this kind of small grassroots movement. Um, it did get some national attention and millions of Americans did participate. But by the end of that first year, 1970, it, that Earth Day led to the creation of the United States Environmental Protection Agency, and then the passage of other things like the Clean Air Act. Wow. So all of a sudden, you have when people think, "Well, what can we do?" Right? But by even just marching, or even having a teaching, a small teaching in the college campus, or just going to our parks, what are we really doing? Well, a you're doing a lot just for the environment by doing what you're doing. You are having a positive impact. But then when government and policymakers take notice, like this group of people ultimately led to some of the most important legislation we've ever had for our environment that year in 1970 and throughout that decade. So now who knows, was that their goal? Did they say we want to change legislation? And maybe it was and it succeeded or maybe they didn't even know what the end result was going to look like, but they knew they had to do something. Mm -hmm. They had to respond somehow. And a small, like-minded group of citizens can change the world. And as Margaret Mead once said, in fact, that's the only group that's ever changed the world. And so, yeah, it gives, it gives me great hope, to, to your point, that, you know, when humanity rallies together and shares a vision and values, we can do great things, not only for our planet, but also with and for one another as well. Absolutely. And then that makes me, you know, that brings it towards today where I'm thinking about, you know, we've all been kind of hunkered down for a year um, and we've been hearing about these, the way that the earth has benefited from us kind of not being out as much. Um, and that it makes me mindful of like, what, what can we do um, to you know, to lessen the impact of the world opening up again. And then also thinking about, you know, like so much, I know last summer and even now being outside is safer, right? In terms of like being around people, 
Um, you're able to space out more, the airflow is more. And I think there's something really beautiful about the fact that to be safe, we need to be outside. Um, and I think that's bringing a lot of um, appreciation for nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we want, we value and protect, or I should say this, we protect what we value, mm-hmm. what we appreciate. So I would say the first thing to do is go outside, just get outside, whatever that looks like. Cause you're right. It's actually safer and healthier for us to be outdoors, even when we're gathering with people rather than indoors. So do that for your own safety and well-being. but get outside, smell that air, listen to the birds chirp, go for a walk, go for a hike. If there's woods around you, even if you're living in an urban environment, almost all urban environments have plants, city parks that are remarkable go and spend some time and sit outside and just look around, like stop to smell the roses or the tulips or the lilies or the lilacs, whatever are around. And as you start to get this appreciation for creation, for the environment, um, I, I believe that all of us will want to protect that to say, what is, how tragic would it be if this isn't here anymore for myself, for my you know future family, for the future generations? So I think that's the first, the first step. And this, if, if there's ever a time in our lives to get outside and to spend quality time outside, this is it. Mm-hmm. This pandemic COVID year, um, we need to get outside. And then once we're outside and motivated to want to do something, to advocate, my gosh, I mean, there are so many ways and things that we can do from simple things to big things that can help you know, help our planet. So we can maybe continue to see dolphins swimming in the canals in Italy, right? Like these stories that you heard a year ago, you think that's the way it should be. That's the way it can be. Um, How, what a beautiful planet that we can all be sharing together if we all just do our part. Absolutely. Do you, um, as we close, do you have a few hot tips, hot green tips for us to... uh... Yeah, here's two that honestly I didn't even think about. I mean, it makes sense, you know, but but it, it really does make a big difference. So limit your use of water. Like if you're brushing your teeth, you don't have to have the faucet on the whole time. And if you turn off the faucet, brush your teeth, you know, turn it on again. They say, the experts say that you can be saving up to eight gallons of water by doing that. And water is actually one of our most precious commodities on this planet. We think maybe in America and the West that is an endless supply of it. That's just not true. And so, you know, limit your use of water, take slightly shorter showers if you can still get clean, but that's something that's really helpful too. The other thing is to unplug devices. If you're not using them, like make sure you turn off all the lights, you know, and whenever you're not needing light, turn off the lights, but even appliances still use electricity when they're plugged in, which I confess I did not know. I just thought, turn it off, but no, it is using electricity. So if you can't unplug all, you know, devices, appliances throughout your house, whenever you're not using it, you're going to be going away for a week or two weeks. Maybe travel will come back one day, unplug everything that you can, because that's actually saving energy and electricity. So those are kind of very simple things everyone can do at home that make a big difference. And then two other, you know, two other things that maybe are a little bit bigger but really impactful is recycle. You know, let's really make sure to recycle, check with your local town to make sure what you can recycle and where to recycle. Um, reuse things, instead of throwing things away, try to reuse as much as you can. 
and then plant a tree. If you can plant a tree, that is one of the best things you can do to leave a legacy, to help with the, you know, the, the, the oxygen and all of that. And it might not be realistic for you. However, I would say you can probably call your local house of worship or local parks department, other agencies or organizations in town. There's probably some that are planting trees and you can donate to have that done or get some information about if you can plant a tree uh, in your yard, if you have a yard or not somebody else's yard, don't like cross over and plant a tree, but you know, with permission, try to plant some trees. Um, and I think those are some great steps to be able to, uh, to celebrate Earth Day and to leave a positive legacy. I think those are great suggestions. Uh, it makes me think too, one thing I always, you know, um, I think there's an element that we all do of kind of the like, what's my motivation? You know, the idea of saving the earth is such a big thing. But it's worth mentioning too that a lot of the measures you suggested save us money, right? Or save us the water. They save us electricity. I am a frugal person. I will admit that a lot of the times my motivation behind some of these choices is just to save money on my monthly bills. You know, I, the first thing I do when I move to a new house or apartment is I switch every single light bulb to LED. And I remember once I did, I had waited a month to do it because it was the first time I'd done it, like maybe like a decade ago. And my electric bill went down by like 75%, you know, that like these ideas are not, are, are, they benefit the earth, but they benefit your pocketbook. It's a win-win. Look, I like the slogan, go green and put some more green in your pockets. There you go. <laughs> I love that. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, if you're thinking about the green in your pocketbook, think also about where you're spending your money. You know, a lot of the times they say we vote with our, with our wallets that, you know, if, if there's an opportunity to buy from a company that uses recycled materials mm-hmm. or is aware of their impact on the, on the earth. I, this is something I've been trying to do a little bit more. I'm very new at it. I'll admit. Um, but it just, it's that, it's that little bit of if you choose between this or this and something you need being able to spend your money in a place that has their priorities in line with yours, I think is, can also be a really powerful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well said. Well, thank you, Dan, for spending this time with me on Roundhill Radio. Thanks. Um, always good we'll, to be on. Wish yeah, we'll have you back. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, happy, happy Earth Day to you, and we'll see you all back here next week. All right. Sounds good. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening. Roundhill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Roundhill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundhillcommunitychurch.org.